Welcome to Fireside Financial. Together, Joe Curry and Regan Schiller offer and discuss insights and advice on all aspects of retirement planning. So grab a cup of coffee or tea, sit back and join us by the fireside as we explore all the topics related to planning for your retirement. Hello there, everyone. Thanks for joining us once again. As always, I am here with my co-host, host as well, Joe. And today we're going to talk about something that I know I've been dealing with quite a bit in the past few years, and especially this year, and that is how best to prepare your family to receive your inheritance. Yeah, so I think it's a pretty great topic. It's something we've been talking a lot about around just estate planning recently, Regan. And I think the reason it's a good topic to be bringing up ahead of this happening is giving people the advice that they should be actually planning ahead for this and not just waiting for it to happen. Yeah, I think a lot of times people get hung up on the idea of doing it. And that could be partly due to the fear of tackling the process and maybe even at that, not really knowing what that process looks like and why it's important to go through it. And so I think we can start by maybe just demystifying the words estate planning. If you want to look at it from a very simplistic standpoint, if we've already done all of the retirement planning and we know your income sources and like all of that stuff's taken care of, now what we'll be looking at if we're doing estate planning is how much money is left over Will you be leaving in your estate? And now where would you like that to be distributed to? So tackling this ahead of time is going to do a lot of, I guess, good things for you and your family. One of the things is that you're going to have all your wishes laid out and it'll be clear and precise if it's done correctly, thus eliminating any chance of family arguments later on. Secondly, it's going to give you peace of mind as you move forward that things are taken care of and you're not leaving a ball of stress behind for somebody. It's critically important to have these conversations. Just because something's laid out in a will doesn't mean that the message is going to get across, right? And there's still some room for interpretation of what mom and dad really actually meant by what's in the will, right? Or mom and dad had a conversation with me that said this, where maybe the rest of the family wasn't involved with that, right? So it's getting everybody on the same page is really important. And like you said, if you've done your retirement planning, you have your financial plan in place, it's a good time to be doing that estate planning piece because now you've gathered all of your assets and you can start to take a look at, you know, how do we want these distributed, right? So that's kind of the next piece. And I don't know, Rico, when you're looking at it, but usually when I'm looking at estate planning, we're kind of looking at as things sit today, how would we want things to go? And then with the plan, we might also be looking out to kind of life expectancy to see how we're projecting to look at that point and how we might want to leave things. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how I would approach it and tackle it. Depending on the situation, actually really recently here, I had a case where mother widowed and child that's going to be the sole inheritance of her estate. She lives off her pensions. She has a defined benefit in Canadian pension plan and OAS, and that's more than sufficient to cover off her cost of living. And in fact, she's accumulating wealth in her cash positions because she doesn't spend enough. She doesn't spend all of the money that receives. The child is well off, done really well with their career, successful and they're in a good position. But the mom came to us asking like, how do we maximize the family wealth, right? And so she started addressing things like, what if we triggered these capital gains now and I give this to my son and maybe he can use some of this money for maxing out his tax-free savings account. And then I was able to run projections on if we looked... 10 years down the road, what would be the family net worth between the two? Then there was a few other strategies that we implemented in these scenarios, but basically we were able to determine that if she does do this, there's pros and cons, of course, in this. And I think you got to be very careful on how you would approach this because 
There's many things to consider, but in their particular case, it left their overall family wealth. It was about two or $300,000 more of family wealth with reasonable assumptions. So many different ways that you could approach or tackle this conversation. Yeah, but thinking ahead is obviously important because if you don't do any planning or thinking ahead about what your goals are, you know, it's really hard to maximize or optimize. So we met with some potential clients yesterday and uh, having that initial conversation. And one of the things that became clear early on in our conversation is they hadn't really thought about what they wanted. They had just planned to work to 65 because they thought that's just kind of what you have to do. But financially, they're going to be in a position to retire long before that if they want to with some proper planning and some intentionality behind what they're doing. But just like in that scenario, it's the same with estate planning. If you know you have specific goals, then you can plan and be intentional about of what you're going to do with your money, right? Rather than just kind of letting the fault happen. Yeah, absolutely. I think a good starting point, if we've already maybe touched upon this, but so, you know, we get caught up with analysis by paralysis in this process. Obviously, you're working with, you know, a well-educated financial advisor that can tend to take you through these processes that you and I are talking about. You know, it's going to be key in this estate planning approach. But the first thing is just, you have to take evaluation of what you have, like you said today, and what you potentially would have at the end of your lives and then start going through the different options and things that you would like to see have happen with your money. Yeah. So there's a really good framework that I got from the folks at Estate Planner. And they talked about, in my experience talking to lawyers, you know, they don't have a, one framework they follow, but these guys came up with a really good framework I thought was really good. So it's first of all, it's just considering, okay, what is the situation? So is there a spouse and kids? Or is there a spouse and no kids? Or is there no spouse and kids? or no spouse, no kids, right? So figuring out where are the primary places we're probably going to be leaving money and starting with that as our starting point. And then looking at, okay, when something happens to me, is everything going to be left kind of outright or is there going to be a but? So what I mean by that is I want my kids to have all of the money or everything from my estate, but, you know, maybe they're younger. So, but I don't actually want them to be able to have lump sum access or access to all the money until they're 25. So whenever there's a but like that in there, and then we have to talk about drawing up a, a trust, right? So there would need to be in that scenario, a trust to make sure there's a trustee that kind of manages that money and sees that the kids are looked after the way we want, but we don't get all the money until they're 25 or 30 or whatever. Obviously that's an individual decision, but whenever there's a but, it means, okay, now we need to have a trust with some further instructions, right? And then the third piece, this is three, two, three, by the way. The third piece is, so everything has to initially go to pay off our debts and our funeral expenses and our taxes. And then everything could be left just as the residue, everything split up equally, or there could be some specific gifts, right? So after the debts, the taxes, all that's taken care of, maybe there's a specific gift. So, you know, I want to leave $10,000 to my local hospital foundation, and then the residue, everything else is left over, right? So it's just kind of a framework of, the things to think through when you're doing that planning. And then most importantly, which I think we've already alluded to is that we're having the conversations with our beneficiaries about this is what we've decided. This is why we want to do it. And also to your point, Regan, maybe we don't have to wait for all this to go to the next generation till after we pass away. Maybe it makes sense to do some of that before. My advice with that would be as long as it's not putting you in some sort of vulnerable position where you're going to run out of money, right? Because when you give it to them, technically it's, um, you know, it's not your money anymore. It's now theirs. However, what I've witnessed is that 
most times that parents, when they do that, so they give their kids a gift, and especially if they're older and the kids are at retirement stages themselves kind of thing or near, typically the kids are, well, we're good. We're well off or we've established. So I'm just going to, yeah, okay, I'll put that money into my tax free savings account. But in my mind, I can't touch it. They don't necessarily consider it their money, which, I mean, I guess if the estate lawyer that I work with, he always says, the best will that you can do is raise good kids. Yeah. The one thing I would add to that, I think we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but as far as does it make sense to gift money to our kids, assuming that it's not going to affect our personal financial situation and our lifestyle, is are our kids financially independent? Like, have they figured it out on their own? And that's one thing I've got. I've talked to my podcast about this for The Millionaire Next Door. There's a lot of good data in there about kids receiving kind of like a pre-inheritance and the outcomes of that versus are they becoming dependent on it versus were they already financially independent and, and able to look after themselves. And the ones who are already, you know, have figured it out, they're doing well on their own. That's kind of bonus. It's going to help them reach their goals quicker. But on the flip side, when we start giving out too much money before the kids have started to make their own way in life, they just become reliant on that, that cash flow. And they're still not forced to figure it out until one day they're going to have to. But it seems that the data shows there's a lot more difficulty with those situations of people kind of gaining traction in their own life. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. My head didn't go there. But yeah, I've seen it to your point where you're talking about. I actually have seen that a few times in my career where someone's received an inheritance and they weren't, their financial thermostat wasn't ready for that inheritance. And slowly but surely, they dwindled through because it's, I don't know if this is a technical term, but I coined it as new money, where their financial thermostat was here, but with money perspective, and all of a sudden they're here, subconsciously, they're going to find ways to get back to where they were comfortable with because they didn't build that wealth naturally. Yeah, exactly. And that's not always the case, but... Yeah, I mean, there's lots of stories, right, about people winning the lottery and then going bankrupt a few years later, and it's the same thing. Well, I think it kind of ties back, though, if you figured out, okay, you're fine, you're good for your retirement, you know what the tax liabilities are, you know roughly what you'd be leaving behind today and also in the future... Having really deep, meaningful conversations with clients goes a long ways here where you ask meaningful questions and dig a little bit deeper on things that maybe some probing questions to really find out what the true values are of their intentions. And oftentimes you're right, people just haven't given it enough thought to really know what they want. But typically those conversations, they feel pretty confident about it. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Okay, well, I think we can wrap that up for today. We'll be doing part two to this is how to best receive an inheritance. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it, Regan. Okay, well, till next time, I will sign off and talk to you later. Take care, everyone. Bye. So folks, keep in mind that this is a general source of information only. It is not intended to provide personalized tax, legal, or investment advice, and is not intended as a solicitation to purchase securities. Regan Schiller & Associates Private Wealth Management is solely responsible for its content. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc. ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations.
thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.